Well, thanks, Charles. I appreciate you coming on. We've got NBA great Charles Oakley with us. And uh, again, hope you had a good wedding this weekend, Charles, in Arizona. Uh, it was fun. Just supporting some family members. Ah, uh, man, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, so I want to get into it right away. So you you had a great college career at HBCU at Virginia Union, Division II school. Player mm-hmm. of the what, weren't you the player of the year? You you yeah, in the, in the state of Virginia. Yes, in the state of Virginia, and led Division II in rebounding. Uh yeah. <laughs> I think around 17 a game my senior year. Yes. That's not too bad, 17 boards a game. And then the big thing is you get drafted, right? So I know you're from Cleveland, Ohio. You're from the Ohio area, correct? Yes, so, Johnny High School. Uh, and, and you get drafted by the Cavs, and then your draft rights get sent to the Bulls. Now, or what happened there? We, tell me your feelings on that night. Um, I mean, my thing was I was just glad to go top 10. Uh, they were expecting me to be a fourth-rounder. And, uh, you know, rest in peace to Jerry Krause. He took a chance with me. and uh, But, no, nah, they was telling me there's going to be a, a trade, a pick trade. So they said Cleveland's going to draft me, but I'm going to get traded to Chicago for Keith Lee. Uh, Keith Lee, that's right. That was the old Memphis State forward, wasn't it? Yeah, Memphis State. Memphis big State, guy. big guy. With the Jerry, yeah, the Jerry curls going in college. I remember that. Oh, uh, Alabama. Was it Alabama? Bobby Lee Hurt. No, yeah, you're right, Memphis is Memphis, uh, I think it was uh, Keith Lee went to, uh, I don't know, it was, it was Alabama or Memphis. Right? All right. Yeah, you All right. may be right. All right. We'll, we'll have to check that out. We'll get our crack statistician <laughs> yeah. on that one, right? But so yeah. you go to the Bulls, right? And this is, I think Michael Jordan had had his first year, correct? You were there Jordan's second year? Right, second year. You get there and, you know, obviously I want to talk about your career because it was, it was a long career and a great career. You, your first recollection of Jordan or, you know, at practice or being with him, the competitiveness of a guy like Jordan, what's your first recollection of him? Well, I heard, uh, you know, being in Virginia, you know, next state over is Carolina. And uh, my college coach, a real friend with Dean Smith. So we had talked about it. But uh, once I got, you know, to Chicago, you know, as a rookie, you go through, all, you know, the press and, the summer they want you play summer league, you know, work out, stay stay local, and get used to what's going on in town. But my friend's press was, "Hey, it's a man walking on air." But uh, <laughs> I just had to come and do my job. Gotcha, and good job you did. I mean, I, I know you were a rebounder supreme, uh, getting to the Bulls. Now you played for Chicago for four years. All together, four, yeah. Uh, Three, then I came back one more. And you came back one more year. So Now, who was the coach at that time? I know it certainly wasn't Phil Jackson. Was it Doug Collins? Uh, When I first got to Chicago, yes, with Doug Collins. Okay, Collins. And uh, Doug traded me to New York. Uh, Doug was a funny guy, but uh, they talk about him in the documentary. But, uh, you know, he's the guy who played in Philly for many years, all-star, you know, after his career, got into coaching. And probably coached over 25 years in the NBA. Now, did those Bulls teams that you played with before you left for the Knicks, uh, I think you played the Celtics in one playoff series, I believe. Uh, yes, that's when Michael had 60-something. Uh, and he came back from an injury. Uh, they tried to put him on minute restriction the first couple of games. And he said, I, if I'm going to play, I want to play. So after he said that, he got 60-something in the playoff. And, uh, but we lost. But... It was the beginning of something real special with him in Chicago. Absolutely. Hey, he might have had 60-plus, but you had 25 points and 15 boards against the Seas. Yeah, I was, you know, for a guy from down, 
from Cleveland going to HBCU, uh, get to the league. I held my own pretty good. Only thing about it, I didn't get a lot of shots, but I didn't mind. I didn't mind playing a role, and I think in life, that's what's wrong with the society, especially NBA right now. Guys don't want to accept their role, and that's why a lot of teams not winning like they want to win. And, and I want to talk to you about that briefly. And, and I want, you know, after we, we we talk about your career with the Knicks, I really want to go over the NBA back then versus the NBA today, right? Uh, as players, style of the league, obviously much more physical, I believe, back in the 80s. You played it. Um, oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, just It's a global market now. And that's what David Stern wanted. And the league, the money is not as global. The players is different. I think when, we, when I played back in my 18, 19 year of the league, you may have had five percent of the you know global market. Now it's probably thirty-five percent. So it's a big change. I was going to say, look at all the players coming in from Europe, the yeah. European flavor of the league now. Uh, a lot of Asian players now playing the league. Yao Ming kind of brought that to to the NBA as well. Um, now you you're at the Bulls, and then they make the trade to the Knicks, I believe, for Bill Cartwright. If I'm if I'm right, uh, Bill Cartwright and Kevin Duncan, I think. No, Bill Cart. It was two players for me. So I know Cartwright was one of the face in the trade from New York to Chicago. They make the trade. Are you happy about the trade? Uh, well, nothing I can do. Uh, right. it's, a, it's a business that you sign your contract to work for them and they have they have control. They, they don't like you. They can trade you or whatever. But that was part of the business. I didn't, I didn't hold no grudge against the Bulls. Um, Jerry picked me. Uh, he took a chance with me and I went to New York. Uh, you know, I feel like with somebody I wouldn't want to, you got a chance to uh, be, you know, make yourself in the league. And, you know, you team up with, you know, uh, head coach Pat Riley. Coaching styles, uh, any similarities with Doug Collins? It was, it was playing for Riley completely different than playing with Doug Collins. Totally different. Two different persons. And, uh, you know, Pat Riley was one of them guys. He's more of a controller type. It's, he had a philosophy where he coached practice and all that. What do you believe in? Doug was the guy who run more of a two two man offense and a lot of you know your two three get touched the ball. But Pat Riley was uh, in and out with Patrick and the wing guy. Um, but like I said, both of them were different coaches and both of them played in the league at different times. And think Doug uh, played after Pat Riley played in the league. And uh, you know it was just one of them things. I was just glad to be on the team. I get a chance to play. And. You guys, very successful with the Knicks. Uh, unfortunately, I think you ran up mm -hmm. against the Bulls a couple of times, the yeah. Pacers, um, some incredible games with the Pacers, yeah. and Reggie Miller. Any good stories about playing? Uh, with, I heard you know, Spike Lee yelling from the, from the, you know, the, you know, the bottom there row, yelling at Reggie Miller. Any good stories there? Uh, you know, Spike was one of the guys, hey, first guy on the court throwing the ball, but uh, when you played against uh, Reggie and the Pacers, them guys, it's similar teams. Uh, in and out, Mick Smith and uh, Patrick was the centers, and John was the two, and Reggie was the two for the Pacers. But it was just hard, hard fought games every time we played one another. Uh, wasn't a lot of trash talking. Uh, we also were trying to get to the next level, you know, get to the finals and go to, uh, you know. So basically, we had to go through the Bulls, and we had to go through one another a lot. And uh, that's how the East was for them, like eight to 10 years. Uh, like I said, and, and you guys, I think, made it to the finals that one year and played Houston, correct? Right, 94. We and that games was uh, Olajuwon and the boys, correct? Yeah. Yeah, Olajuwon ate us up, but uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. That's why he's one of the greatest in of all time. Absolutely, absolutely. And and then, then you know, a great run with the Knicks. Ten years, I believe, you play with, with uh, New York. Great run. Ten, what was it like yeah. playing 
in in the Big Apple? I mean, I, I hear a lot of athletes talking about it. And is it something a little special or different playing in New York than anywhere else? Well, I think it's special um, because you know it's the mega basketball. The, you can't shortchange the fans. They understand the sports, all the sports, baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever. Mm. Uh, it's just the feeling you get when you walk in the garden. Uh, the fans, I mean, they can let you know that when you're not playing well. Uh, but it's just a special place because all the tours, uh, the celebrities front row, and you never know who might come to a game. And, you know, but we still have to perform. Uh, we can't get caught up with who's sitting, on the, who's sitting courtside. Uh, our job is to go out and win the game. But it's a special place to be. I did dig up something on you that I find pretty amazing, and I don't think any player will ever do this again. In 1994, in the playoffs, in regular season, you started 107 consecutive games. That sounds amazing to me. 107! (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was built for it. Uh, But then, you know, guys tried to play the whole season, and then the playoffs come, you really don't miss a game in the playoffs. it was just, I, I never, you know, I heard that before, but, you know, when you play and you just play for your team, the city, the fans, uh, you know, it's New York, you never want to sit out because you never know who comes to the game to watch you play. But uh, I, that's why I, I was that type of player. I wanted to play every night. I wanted to play more minutes every game I played in. But, you know, some nights you couldn't play a lot of minutes. But uh, that was always about working hard every night. Toughest matchup for you down low. Who was somebody or a couple of guys that maybe, you know, you had an easy time with, and maybe some some players that were tough down low based on maybe it was their length or physicality or something, quickness. Who was tough down low? Uh, I didn't look at it as uh, a tough matchup down low. Uh, some guys, you know, get calls. Some guys don't, you know, like Shaq. Um, I, I like to set Shaq because he's a bigger guy, and I like challenging. And uh, you get Carl Malone, the guy, you know, he's, he's good, power mm-hmm. forward, but only thing I didn't like about him, he flopped a lot. I think the one with the most of the moves was Kevin McHale. You know, he had all the moves. He played with Boston. So you had to re- you couldn't be a too aggressive because they give you a cheap call. So you almost had to play, you know, checker and chess every night with certain guys. But my really thing was just go out and just play hard every night and uh, hope we get the W. Now, I know it's funny because I know with the Celtics and, and, and uh, Nick's big rivalry, obviously. And when you were with the yeah. Bulls, you had to go through the Celtics when they were in their heyday. Yeah. Was Larry Bird that big of a trash talker? I see these programs and they're saying he was one of the biggest trash talkers in the NBA. Did you witness any of that? Never heard Larry talk trash. Okay. Uh, You know, maybe when it's in the dream team, that was more of a fun type atmosphere. But when once you get inside them lines, I never heard him talk a lot of trash. Uh, We played him several times in the playoffs. Uh, Never seen him, you know, I I know in person. Like, like we never went out and have fun together, but like just cordial. You know, over the years playing against him, I mean, I didn't see him talking trash. But, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I don't let guys talk trash to me anyway. So he might talk to someone else, but he never talked trash. I never heard him talk trash while I was on the court anyway. Gotcha. Um, but I do hear a lot of people saying that all these guys said this and that. I, I, didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah. But, you know, each his own. Charles, I wouldn't talk trash to you at all. <laughs> I'm just telling you. And I'm sitting here miles away from you and I wouldn't talk trash, okay? <laughs> um, so you finished up your career. I know so you had the good run with the Knicks for 10 years and then kind of, you know, at the end of your career, you played with Toronto, uh, came back to the Bulls, Wizards, and finished up, I think, what, a couple games with the Rockets? Uh, yeah, it was just like a drive-by, yeah. So it wasn't long at all. But, yeah, I did go to Toronto. It was a great place. I had a great time in Toronto. It was just, they was, they was homing for uh, some type of, 
good like a team that can have a run and this and that. I think that uh, after I left, the King Lodge one came. And then you get Kawhi uh, Leonard who took him to win a championship. But uh, that's a it's, a it's a great city. Lots of people is great. When I, when they won that championship, that's the best thing could ever happen to it because it was a new franchise came in in the 90s and they were still trying to find themselves for building a team, how to structure a team. It's a hockey town, but mm-hmm. once they won that one championship, it's just like the whole world changed. But up there, it's, the people's is great. So you retire. What is Charles Oakley doing now? Like, what do you, like <laughs> I know you had something to do with the three-on-three basketball. Are you still coaching? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm coaching, but uh, I coached a couple of years in the league with the Charlotte Hornets down there with Mike when he owned the team. Okay. Um, working on my foundation, the Oakley Foundation. Yeah, can you can you elaborate a little bit on the Oakley Foundation, kind of what it is and, and kind of tell everyone out there kind of, you know, what it's about? Well, I'm, my foundation is totally different than most people you run across because we try to cover all kind of corners and angles to help people to go back to shelters in the city. We go to school, we talk to kids. But uh, I do my Oak experiment. So it's it's a whole bunch of different things. Uh, I like it like this because I don't want to just be a one, cut myself off with one. I know other people need help in the other different areas. So mm-hmm. I try to provide for whoever we can help at the time. But uh, no, it's just something I started three years ago in Cleveland. Um, I seen that it was, it, was, it was a need for, you know, myself to always giving back. But I just need giving back in a way that, you know, people can see I'm doing it as a foundation. But we we still looking for donors and whatever we want to donate to the foundation. But once you come and see us live and what we do, when we do appearances and stuff, it's, it's special because um, I think that um, it's always some people need some help out here in the world. Uh, that's that's very admirable. And uh, I was going to say, if if you ever want us to throw up a link or anything like that or any information on the foundation, we'd, we'd be glad to do it in every show. Any way we can help uh, you out and your foundation out. Appreciate it. Um, now, before we let you go real quick, uh, two things. The NBA when you played versus the NBA today, uh, different styles, different players. You know, we touched on it briefly before we came on. What do you think of the biggest differences between when you played now and the players now and today? I think the biggest difference right now, and we played. I don't think management hold guys accountable. They got these new rules. Uh, um, uh, it's just the way it it, it, it just run totally different. It's a global market now, and I think they they clean up a lot of the physicality. Uh, I think that um, it just it's, it's so laid back, and I think a lot of guys really don't they don't go all out at all times, and and you can watch games and see that you know it's, it's so just it's sometimes it might be too laid back, but it's harder for me to watch this era, and uh, I hear a lot of fans always talk about like what's what's there so many threes? Why guys can't make free throws? Why we see the same one or two plays in every game. You know, high pick and roll, side pick and roll. Why is no defensive concepts no more? Only only three or four teams teach that. And then the same teams that you see winning every year. But, uh, you know, the money is good. I guess the money yeah, is good. The money's <laughs> good. Those super max deals are incredible. Yeah. But, it's you know, another thing, like when we played, they hid the money. Now they can't hide the money. So now you got to pay less for your – you got to pay more and get less. And I think that that's a big part of the game too because every time I watch a TV show on they begging guys why this guy don't show up every game? Why this guy don't show up every game? But these guys making 50, 60 million dollars so why they're not showing up 
ask the man who pay him. Because uh, it's it's kind of embarrassing because they almost had to beg these guys. I hear the, oh, this guy should be doing this every game. You know, this guy should be, you know. So it's a conversation about all the players now. But you got some guys show up every night and do their best. But it's, that's, that's how you, like I said, you build a house how you like it. And that's how they lean and built into, you know, it's a global market league. So physicality went out the window because the European players, they're not physical as the guys used to play. Now everybody's into that slim look type body, you know, body fat, probably around a seven, eight. So basically your your base is going to be small. So there's not a lot of big bodies in the league no more. Well, I wanted to ask you about the one thing that's very, very, um, I guess it's a big topic in the NBA today, and, and that's the load management issue where, you know, these guys, you're right. These players are getting paid millions and millions of dollars, these super max deals, right? And they're like, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to play every fifth day or I don't want to play every fourth day. And But yet the fans are showing up, you know, a lot of the fans are going to see us, Steph Curry or a LeBron James or somebody, and they spend harder money to go to the games and they don't right. get to see them play. What's your take on something like that? Well, <laughs> that's how they built it. I think it's a player's league. Uh, the commission allowed a lot of things to happen. He, he put rules in, he take, he take rules out, but I think you know, when you have someone who's been saving your money for six months or seven months to see a special team, and like I said, that guy don't play or you know, whatever, but they allow that in the league now. They're trying to change it, but it's going to be hard to change because you don't know if a guy hurt or not. So almost you let some stuff come in that you can't change. And it's a player's league, so I just wish the players, you know, if you're healthy, play. If you're not, I understand because, you know, 82 games – you know, we played 82 games, you right. know, 80 some plus. Many you play years 107. In the, in the playoff. But I think <laughs> that, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. It, I, I, my, my thing is watching the game now. If you got somebody you like now, you go see them now because what's coming in the next five years, it's no, it, once, once LeBron leaves, Katie leaves, Curry leaves, the league, I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be global. But I'm saying they're going to jump from 30 some probably 50% in the next five years wow. because with the magnitude what LeBron then bring, you're not going to see that too much more. I don't see that coming. It's coming global, but not from the guys from the U.S. So basically you're going to have a global market team playing in the U.S. And and then you see the guys like, like I said, Curry, LeBron, KD, all them guys, AD, once they leave, I don't see nobody coming up like them can hold a torch like them. So I don't know who's going to be the next best guy after – Probably, you know, like I said, Joker for uh, Embiid. Uh, and that kid Greek from San Antonio, Wembanyama. I don't know. I saw him play, but haven't played more than twenty-five minutes. So they, I guess, they bring him along real slow. That's yep. a good thing to do. Don't mm-hmm. let him. Don't throw him out there with them, uh, with them alligators and cracker jaws. <laughs> just walk around the park and see how he, he gonna fit in. He got time. He's the first pick in the draft, so they go. He gonna get a next contract. So being seven four, as long as he don't get hurt. Last last question for you, and again, I really do appreciate you coming on to last minute for this. No but uh, who's your pick in the finals, and who do you like to win it all this year? Uh, I, my two West Coast teams gonna be probably probably be Denver or the Lakers. Uh, in the really? East, it's probably, okay. in the East, probably gonna be uh, it's gonna be Milwaukee or Boston. Milwaukee or Boston? Who takes it? I'm putting you on the spot, Charles. Who takes it? Who take it? Uh, Maybe Denver or Boston. Denver or Boston. Well, I'm a Celtic guy from Boston, so I like that pick a lot. I like Denver. I'm I like pissed, the uh, you know, Celtics. You don't like to see the same team win every year. I, I agree with I you. Wanna see, I want to see something different, but I think that Boston made some 
some great trades. Uh, Drew Holiday, great trade, right? Uh, no, nah, it wasn't great, but I think that the pieces they got, well, Drew was a great trade for Smart because he understands the game, but mm-hmm. Drew ain't going to just come out. I think Smart got a little loose goose to it when he played with Boston because he went from more of a defensive player to a more offensive player. Yeah. And you got uh, the, the two Browns there, Taylor and Brown, you know, you got the scores, but sometimes when you're supposed to be a role player, you're supposed to play your role to a high IQ. I think that sometimes, you know, the, the glamour gets to some of these guys. That's why some teams don't go to the next step. But I think Boston, they, if they don't, they don't win it this year, uh, they're not going to win the next five years because they've been knocking on the door for the last four or five years. You only get three years and win them most of the time. But they made a great trade to add more pieces. Like I said, not true holiday is a leader. He understands. So mm-hmm. that was a big pickup for Boston. And the window is closing. I agree with you. I mean, they've got, the they got to do it this year because the window is closing. It's just like, you know, you get to two or three years with Boston. Like I said, they made moves the last couple of years. They always going to figure out a way to make a move to get to the next level. But I'm saying is you got to sign Taylor. You signed Brown last year. So Taylor is up next year. And, you know, I think I, my key was I love Williams. I think Williams was the key. If they would have played William last year more, they would have been in the finals. I don't know. They wanted wow. to spread, spread the floor with Al Hoffman, but it didn't work out. But William is a problem. He can block shy. He's active. He can get rebounds. You know, he he can play without the ball. But it's careful if you want space on the floor. Sometimes they can hurt you. I like Williams. It was an athletic, I mean, very athletic player. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I think mean, they do I, miss I, him. Sometimes you forget about the man who do the dirty work. Uh, but I think nobody I see in this league today Play the way he played. I agree. He's quick, quick jumper. It's six nine. He plays like he's a seven footer, doesn't he? Like Ben Wallace and all them guys. You know, undersized. That's right. They can get up and quickly. That's right. Ben Wallace, guy, you're bringing back some memories of my the Big Ben there with the with the Union. Union. You know, we want Junior Union guys. So yeah, that's right. You guys got to stick together, right? We had to fight down there to get what we got. Well. <laughs> Again, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule and, and, and hooking up with us and doing this. We'd love to do this again. Uh, I'm a big fan, big admirer of your game, and uh, I love you. what you're doing with the foundation. That's outstanding. Yeah. Please do it. Like I said, next time we talk, a lot of the stuff got coming out, so they want me to be, you know, because, you know, I came out with a book last year called The Last Enforcer. So, okay. Uh, can we yeah, talk about that next time? Yeah, we can talk about the book. and I'm having about two or three other things to talk about, too. So we got some content, so let's do it. All right, Charles. Listen, have a great week. I really appreciate it, and we'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. 